As Clitheroe's leading second-hand hypercar dealer, we would like to thank you for all your messages of support and to reassure our customers that we are not dead. So, for all your hypercar needs, come to Malcolm's McLaren. Thank you. Buffalo girls need to go around the outside. Hey Speedsters, he's Richard. Hello. He's Zog. Hello. I'm Gareth, and this week, it's my confessional, this week I got a parking ticket on my car parked right outside my house. Okay. That always feels bad. Yeah. Because my residence parking permit had expired. Oh. Had this on your reminder? And this is the point. No. And neither did the other 200 people in this estate that I live on here get a reminder. Because I think your challenge may be valid. Yeah, uh, I'm appealing that one, but I would like to apologise to the very nice man who just put the ticket on the car when it was pointed out to me. I went chasing after him. Really indignant. Why have you put a ticket on my car? Because I parked my car, like you guys park, Right up to the end of the of the allowed parking space there, so the wheels are within the, the bay. Yeah. You've got a bit of overhang, mm. you know. It's yeah, perfect. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what, really what you should do to maximise the space available. Yep. Quite indignant that my car when he said my car wasn't all the line. He said no, but your residence parking's expired. Oh, humble buy. Mm. Then I thought, hang on, I haven't had a reminder. So um, I'll, I'll keep you posted on this. There may be a massive law case. <laughs> There might not be, though. I might, might just do a, a stiff letter, though. There'll yeah, be a bit yeah. of tetchiness, a stiff yeah, letter, and sti- maybe yeah. we'll get away with yeah, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. OK, Richard, you must have had a really rubbish parking experience to match that. or Yeah, I've had tickets. The worst one that I can remember was when the Toyota Yaris came out. This is a few years ago now. Yeah. And we were filming it for old Top Gear, and we'd actually got one of the first ones in the country. It wasn't even on sale. And after we'd finished filming it, I took it for the weekend and I'd come down to London to see some friends, parked it near Euston Station somewhere, and when I went back the next morning, it had gone. Uh-oh. So my first thought was, oh, no, it's been nicked. That's really embarrassing. It's like a, a, this car that isn't even on sale and I've gone and let it be stolen. Rang the police and they just went, has it been stolen? I went, yeah, yeah. Uh, are you sure you're not in a residence parking area? Mm. And I looked, and I was standing right beneath a sign that said, and even at weekends it was enforced, and they'd come round and they'd taken my car, and I had to go to Kentish Town Vehicle Pound and get it back, because mm. I was suddenly in this, I was like, oh my God, I can't ring Toyota and go, I'm sorry, but I've lost your car that isn't even on sale yet. <laughs> and then going to the Pound, and, and thankfully the registration number, it being a press car, was also on the key fob, because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to remember what the reg was. Yeah, it's not on my yeah. car. Yeah. But, and going, yeah, here's the registration. They went, what make is it? A model. And I went, it's a Toyota Yaris. And they went, what? And I went, it's a Toyota Yaris. <laughs> What's that? And I was like, it's new. They're not out yet. They're not out yet. And I was like, oh, God, do I have to explain this? Just give me the car back. <laughs> So that was pretty bad. I also, do you know, I don't remember I mentioned this on the show before, but when I lost my Rover, when I used to have that Rover 75, and uh, one of my neighbours reported it as an abandoned vehicle. You have mentioned And it got taken, which I count, I thought that was institutionalised theft, basically, they, or extortion. They took it, and by the time, I mean, this is sort of my fault, I noticed it had gone, it had been gone a week. They didn't send me the thing to tell me they'd taken it which is why I got some money back from the £550 I had to 
pay to get my own car back. Cars are a liability. Do you know what? I've built into my budget now an amount for incidental fines and things that you just cannot avoid no matter how careful you are. Mm. It just has to be there every year. So I doubt you've ever had a parking issue, have you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to skip entirely over the whole parking ticket congestion fund thing because it's just too horrible and I don't even want to talk about that but a while back I've ever mentioned this one my, my MG Midget the one that I left parked for a while in Golders Green yes someone the, borrowed the, it and improved it for you then. yeah yeah, yeah, you've, yeah. You've, you've told us that one I, okay, you well, borrowed so, it back and you got a free cushion yeah pretty much yeah yeah <laughs> to, 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 to cut a long story short I had <laughs> so you um, up on the deal um, you know I was on the deal yeah I left it parked in Golders Green having moved house I basically left it parked for about a year uh, and then when I went back to retrieve it somebody had inevitably started using it because they thought it was abandoned yada 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 so I more or less nicked it back off them with the help of a friend and they changed the radiator so I got a slightly fixed up MG midget out of it after a year they were probably a little bit miffed but I made a report at the local police station to explain what I'd done so if anyone reported it stolen it wasn't stolen it was mine but (laughs) but, but I've told you that already so I have to to think of another embarrassing parking story I did once yeah well just the the law on claiming an abandoned car Johnny Smith friend of the show yes lovely uh, Johnny claimed an abandoned Volvo 340 that had been left in a station car park. I'll have to ask him how he did it. However, I can think of two cars, which I'm pretty sure are abandoned, that I see on a route that I do through London a lot of the time. The only thing is that one of them's like a Hyundai Amica and the other one's a slightly tatty Peugeot 106. They're not really cars so not that you want. not the most tempting but, vehicles. But at the same time, this sort of, you think, well, just in principle... If I wanted either of those cars and they really are abandoned, how you go about going, yeah. do I have those? I've <laughs> spotted a gold 911 Targa parked in Hackney for a year and it's just dilapidating. Mm. I left a note on it, but no it, response. Really? I wouldn't mind just taking that and loving it. Loving well, it. maybe, yeah. because what you have to do is and keep that location of that car concealed. Yeah. <laughs> you may be doing something later. Um, now, I, I think the way it works out is, is if you want to register an abandoned vehicle, you basically write to DVLA mm. and you apply to register the vehicle in your name and they will contact the registered vehicle owner and if the registered vehicle owner doesn't get back to them then you can register it. I've just remembered So I obviously um, wasn't keeping up with my addresses Yeah, yeah, and they can't find you so so. I've just remembered the former editor of Autocar a chap called Robert Hearn once did this with, I think it was a Lotus Eclat that he'd seen in a lay-by and it had just been there, it was clearly abandoned, it had been there for months, nay, years and he sort of went so he went through this procedure, whatever it is and then it wouldn't move so he'd arranged for a truck to pick it up and bring it to his garage and just his garage at his house rather than a place to fix it put it in there with a view to getting it recommissioned, then realised, of course, it's an old Lotus that's been sitting for ages. It had a lot of work needed doing to it, and what he'd basically done is just filled his garage with a pile of plastic <laughs> rubbish. It seemed like such a good idea Spare at parts. the time. Come on, spare yeah. parts. <laughs> I think that sort of Lotus, that's not, not, not a car, that's a project. Yes. <laughs> good afternoon, Sven. I'm making my way to the shop canteen. Would you like to join me in a safe and ergonomically excellent way? Yes, Sven, I would. I'm told today they're serving fish in the Saab canteen. Fish in the Saab canteen? Let me guess. Is it a turbot? No. Yes, petrol! We've got a show speed! 
few very interesting cars have appeared recently, and uh, I've asked Sog and Richard to have a think about, of all the cars they've seen recently, you know, which is the one that they would really want to bore people at a dinner party with, or in this case, a podcast with. Richard, I know the car you probably want to talk about. Mm-hmm. I was just going to talk about the Jaguar XJ, the new one, because I've actually driven that. So I'll take it from the top, first of all, the way it looks, because I think the, the looks are quite controversial, those blacked-in rear pillars, those vertical taillights. I'll just say two things that, first of all, when you see it in the flesh, it, it, it looks a lot better than maybe it does in pictures. And the more you see it as well, you get used to it, and it, it really does start to make sense. And it is everything that a Jag should be, because it's modern, even a little bit futuristic, rather than this retro thing they've been doing for the past few years. And this is a, a chief designer, Ian Callum, has now got, well, I think he refers to it as the Trilogy, it's a little bit pretentious, but I know what he means. It's like because you've mm-hmm. got the XK and the XF and now the XJ, and so you've got three thoroughly modern Jaguars that are the bedrock of their range. They don't make the X-Type anymore, so those are. That is yeah. the Jag range. Although, although it shouldn't really be a triumvirate or a triumvirate. Yeah, because a, a trilogy is something that's published. Yeah. Well, it sounds like they're, yeah, they're sequels. sequels to each Exactly, yeah. 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 So uh, we're being picky. Uh, memo to Ian Callum, not a trilogy, mate. Of the Holy Trinity, perhaps. Yes, there you go, Trinity. 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 Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, did I mention this, that I was driving down the M1 a month or so ago and I saw the new XJ yeah going the same direction as me ahead of me but no, not the new I mean they've made more than one of them oh sorry you yeah. didn't see yeah. the new XJ one of the two yeah. new XJs yeah. I know times are tight in development like, I think we had a joke on Top Gear once about when they announced they'd facelifted the Peugeot 607 just we the went, one they yes. facelifted <laughs> the 607 the, the French foreign sold. minister has given it back they facelifted it and given it back to him again <laughs> <laughs> But as I came upon this car, we, you know, the second I clapped eyes on it, first I, I saw the shape. I thought, I don't recognise that shape. Jaguar. Yeah. There was mm-hmm. no doubt yeah. how they've yeah. achieved that. It does not look like any Jaguar in history. And yet my first glance of it from its rear three quarters, I knew it was a Jaguar. And as we passed it, it's really reconfirmed, hammered home with that yeah. enormous front grille. Yeah, it's quite we, aggressive, that front end. What I'd say is, though, the back end, with its sort of its futuristicness, actually, and uh, maybe my mind was slightly warped because I went to drive this car in Paris, but seeing it driving through Paris, because mm. I, I followed another one, and it looked quite citrony to me. I've said that mm. before, I think, mm. haven't I? It's a C4, that's, that's a CX. Not, <laughs> not a criticism. It is, I mm. think it's, it's a car that gets nice looking. That's the outside. The inside is excellent as well. Really nice interior with these virtual dials. It's a TFT screen, so there's no actual instruments. The, the new Range Rover has this as well. More and more cars will have it. It's great because it means they can play tunes on it to do all sorts of things. So when you engage the sport mode, the dials get rimmed in red and also the gear change indicator appears where the temp gauge and the fuel gauge are and it has this it's too complicated to explain but it has this lovely sort of graphic animation the way that when you change gear there's a number in a circle so the number two sort of goes swooshes out of the way and the three is sort of just faint in the background suddenly goes up to the front of the screen when you've got the sat nav on the whole of that virtual dial where your temperature and your fuel would be becomes momentarily an arrow to show you where you should be going and things like that. So it's it's amazing configuration options. It's interesting that that is really one of the first examples we've seen of this kind of optimization of LCD screens and things in, in cars on a Jaguar. Because do you remember, I can't quite remember the name of it now, but there was a Ford concept. Eight years ago, a little orange 
square cartoon drawing of a car. Yeah, it had a there funny a name. It was called something like the, the O21C. Oh, well, well, pan- well. Hey, it's a Pantone colour. Yes, it's, it is, uh, yeah. it's publishing. That's yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yes. And a fantastic concept coming out. That was my favourite Ford mm. concept. At um, the same time, and I think it was included on this particular car, but it was something Ford were talking about at the time. We were saying, well, in the future, we're going to do away with conventional dials and we'll mm. have some kind of digital readout yeah. and you could reconfigure. And they suggested all these different modes that you could have there. And at the time, I thought, Wow, someone's going to go with that. It's taken a long time, but I wonder if that DNA mm. has come out of the Ford part of well Jaguar yeah. because it yeah. has momentum, that sort Quite of thing, possibly. doesn't it? I mean, the thing is, I don't think... In, I, I, deliberately, they haven't gone as far as they probably could with this. You can't just go into some sub-menu and change the complete look of the instruments to suit mm-hmm. you. There's no reason why you couldn't, but I think what Jag do, unashamedly, is say, look, we want to keep things simple. So... They That's don't good go idea. down I mean, you, the iDrive MMI yeah. type route. They keep things pretty much. It's all on a touchscreen. The touchscreen, you know, you were saying about that XF the other week, just not quite as good as it should be yeah. compared to something like an iPhone. Yeah. Unfortunately, in the XJ, same thing. For some reason, at the top edges of the screen where you've got like the heated seat controls, hmm. that just doesn't respond quite as well as it should. Okay, there's, there's two ways of doing these screens. There's resistive and, and capacitive. Ca- ca- capacitive. capacitive. So yeah. I'm wondering if the iPhone, which is the capacitive... Uh, no, the resistive. No, it's capacitive, and, that, and that's why... <laughs> well, it, it, it's one of the reasons why touchscreen on the iPhone works as well as it does, and without getting boringly iPhone-y, one of the reasons why it's such a successful product is that they... One of the things they've, they've got absolutely right is that touchscreen. Yeah. Mm, it yeah. works, you know, mm. I think, better than any other touchscreen device I've ever to, used. To be fair, I Detail think any, any car is struggling to match the functionality of a handheld device, which is suspended with you as you move. Yeah. If you're in a car, there's always going to be a bit of bounce, unless you're in a Bentley. I don't know. Yeah, but, <laughs> well. but, but, but it should be possible to figure that kind of stuff into whatever algorithms, whatever software is interpreting the data from the screen and saying, right, that equals somebody trying to hit that spot there mm. on the screen. Yeah. Right, right. Well, anyway, so that touchscreen is one of my actually few criticisms of that car because I personally like the looks. Um, yeah, me too. Me too. I, I love the interior. The interior is, is again, everything that a Jaguar probably should be. There's a few bits that aren't quite there, but by and large, it feels very luxurious. It feels very well made. So that's good. My other, and this is my biggest concern about that car, and it's a minor concern because... It's not the end of the world, but the ride is not quite as soft as you would expect, perhaps, of a big Jaguar. Now, they've done this deliberately because they decided to move it towards Sport. the sportier end. Mm. They're saying, we're a sports a car maker. Yeah. yeah. Now, so they're, they're saying that this is a, a conscious thing. And the trade-off is, I've never driven a big car that you can chuck around. And the, this the is feels a lot smaller. It's I've so agile. Yeah. The steering mm. is incredible. I don't know how they've done this. It's something, it's almost it's so good you don't notice until you sort of think about it. And you go, because... You can drive it very sort of in that kind of minimalist way that you would in a sports car. You don't have to mm. put in armfuls of locks to get around to even tight Is it corners. Variable rate steering, it must be. Uh, it doesn't feel like it because it has this beautifully sort of consistent assistance level, which, for example, my Mercedes C500 long term, it doesn't have. It has a weird assistance But it presumably has at least a level of computer control in the power assistance. Yes, and it is lighter at low speeds uh, yeah. and then weights up. And, but the, the way that it's been programmed is the way that it actually works in real life is that it's so smooth and seamless it's great so you can sling it around and yet you drive on the motorway it's not sort of twitchy and nervous you could just mm. track straight and true so it's relaxing in that way the body control is extraordinary they've got some very very good shock absorbers on that car and some very good tuning that it controls its mass and it's quite light because it's aluminium but it controls that mass very very well 
but it is just there's this slight it's not crashy you know when a car sort of crashes into potholes mm-hmm. and you've got that and you've yeah, got any yeah, mechanical like sympathy you go oh no mm-hmm. it's not that it feels incredibly solid mm-hmm. it's, sort of, it's, a, it's a nice little sort of thud but the fact that there's a thud there at all I think previous XJs would have completely smoothed out any little zits in the road <laughs> this one doesn't you feel the road now it's not as bad as an Audi A8. The old generation A8 had a frankly terrible ride, particularly on big wheels. And all these Jags we were driving were on 20s. So yeah. you know, I think if you drove one on 17s or 18s, then you'd probably find it had a perfectly good ride. The fact they've made it okay on 20s is, is, is quite telling. But overall, yeah, it's a lovely car to drive. The diesel one is fine, you know, it's quick enough. That's the one everyone will buy in this country. But the supercharged 5-litre one is a very, very naughty car indeed. Oh. It's fast, fast as you like. And my absolute favourite detail, design-wise on it, this is only available on the supercharged one. If you have the all-black interior, the lining of the glove box is mauve, like an Oswald Boateng suit. The same mauve on the interior of the A-pillars in the XFR I drove, which I think I described as indigo, um, but I think yeah. I know exactly the tone you mean. It's I've lovely. I've got a picture of it, but I've turned my yeah. phone off, so I can't tell you, I can't we'll find show you right now, but it's in the bin in the middle. And it's just one of those things where no one knows it's there, and then every time you just go into the bin to plug your iPod in or something like that, you just see a bright lining, like the bright lining on a fancy suit jacket. And I just think it doesn't cost yeah. them any more to do that, really, but they've done it. Because they could, and I think that's actually quite telling about the attention to detail that's mm. gone into that car. So overall, yeah, really like it. Can't wait to try it in this country. You, you've got one to I, try. I, in a I, bit. I, I, I was supposed to be doing something in April, but the dates haven't firmed up uh, per but se. Be so I will drive because have yeah. you noticed all of our roads have fallen apart? I've the bad yeah. weather. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the roads in this country are now just shocking. Yeah. So I'd like to know how the Jag copes with that. But overall, I think it's a fabulous looking car, and it drives really nicely. Uh, so jobs are good I look forward to taking one over potholes in Britain quick yeah. before they fix them all oh that's alright we've probably got that about one. five got years yeah Well, Sven, I very much enjoyed my fish in the sharp canteen. Yes, Sven, I also enjoyed my fish in the sharp canteen. I hear for pudding they are serving ice cream in a cone. Ice cream in a cone in the sharp canteen? Let me guess, is it a 99? No. Oh. Carrot, speed or sniff petrol! Make up your mind! If you're a fan of cars, and I rather suspect you might be listening to this show, either that or you're disappointed because this isn't Hamster and Very Rodent Podcast Monthly, the thing you probably do is look through Autocar, and when you see a new car coming out, oh, I want to know all about that, and you read and absorb all the details. Now, one of the great pleasures of hanging out with some other sad who like cars as well is that you don't need to digest everything because I know certain cars I could just turn to my two friends to because they will be seriously considering every facet of that new bit of automotive design. Zog, I just know the car that you're very interested in. That was at Geneva. It did rather catch my eye, yes. Yeah, the new Porsche 918, the new Porsche 918 Spyder, rather, I should say, which is a concept car that uh, was unveiled at Geneva. By all accounts, it's, you know, fairly likely to make production, but who knows, you know, until these things actually happen. And it's Porsche's first sort of proper hybrid. So a lot of headland stuff going on there. It's beautiful, it's fast, but when I looked at the detail of it, I really was quite disappointed because it's not bold enough. It's not Mm -hmm. doing enough 
in the electric drive crane hybrid area, I think, to really come up to the mark. It's a fabulous looking car. It's got a 500 horsepower V8 engine, mid-mounted, uh, beautiful little two-seater. Uh, it's got twin electric motors for another 218 or so brake horsepower. And there are some very good looking figures in there. You know, it supposedly will get 78 MPG apparently, mm. uh, but still get a top speed of 198 0.16 Quicker around the Nürburgring than the Carrera GT. What's not to like? It's a proper Porsche. You seem disappointed. If you're going to do a hybrid vehicle, why not push the technology a bit further? If you've got only 200 horsepower, okay, only 200 horsepower, that's mm. as much as some vehicles have, but in the context of this thing, you've got only 200 horsepower coming from the electric motors, 500 horsepower from the V8. That's a petrol engine car that's got an occasional bit of assistance from the electric motors. Okay, it's going to be sometimes, and by the looks of it, only on very, very short trips, getting a significant contribution from the electric motors, from the uh, the power stored in the, the batteries, but it's basically a petrol engine supercar with some hybrid gubbins thrown in. What I was really hoping Porsche would do with their first sort of proper hybrid vehicle would be to show what you can do with the technology, how far you can push it. It would be essentially an electric vehicle with additional contribution with topping up from some kind of liquid fueled engine. Mm. It's not quite which, radical uh, enough for me, which is, and I hate to say that because it's beautiful and it's fast. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and it's a Porsche, which and is Porsche, your Yeah, which I love passion. it, you know, and da, da, da. So, you know, um, yeah. Because there was some stuff at the Geneva show, which I, I went there, and they, um, there's some things going on with that, with, with uh, hybrid cars where there's a, a, an engine that tops up and that can run at a constant speed, so it's not directly connected to the wheels. The and that makes it the, more efficient, and that's yeah, clever. Yeah, it's yeah, that's very clever. And here's the thing, yeah. the Chevy Volt does that, um, of course, but the... Uh, way that some other people are approaching it is using now different sorts of engines as well because uh, the Volt has a yeah the Volt has a has just a, a regular four cylinder engine four, yeah. four stroke four cylinder yeah, yeah. now uh, Jaguar Land Rover are working with Lotus on something where it's got a little three cylinder engine so that's still hmm. you know fairly conventional and I don't know how that's going to work in a Jag because three cylinder engines although I love them they always make a bit of a racket yeah like, but like, that isn't but so sorry to say but, 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 but I think that three cylinder engine which we did actually briefly talk about on the show yes. uh, last year. As I understand it, that three-cylinder engine, it's specifically designed to be a kind of... A, a constant up velocity engine. Yeah, engine. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. basically, that's just driving a generator to top up the battery. So, so yes, so now the thing is that they've got this, this three-cylinder engine. They've said that, but there are also rumours, I don't think they've confirmed these yet, that the next stage will be a gas turbine, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah, I think that's, we've had this conversation before. I, I think that is a, a, a very smart way of harnessing energy from a fossil fuel well, and storing it. But this has been the problem with gas turbines in the past, getting the power from that very high revving thing to the motors. They're very laggy in cars because yeah. the throttle response is all over the shop. You can't really have a hybrid drive. But, well, this thing, in the context of a hybrid vehicle, mm. you are able to combine the best characteristics of your gas turbine engine, mm. i.e. its efficiency, mm. and then by coupling that to a generator, which is then going to charge up a battery that's going to connect to an electric motor, you're then able to combine that in a very efficient way mm-hmm. with a motor that gives very efficient power delivery mm. instantly, massive torque from lower... It's, you know, it's, a, it's a great combination. Do you know what? If I was going to invest in any companies at the moment, there are two who come to mind. One is... Uh, let's have a think about this. It would either be... Bead. Do you know? Do you remember the BD5, the little single-seater jet that Roger Moore flew in when he played Bond? Yes, in, uh, Octopussy, I think. Was it was. Octopussy, a, a tiny single-seater personal jet. What's well, sort a of very bulbous canopy? That's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
It was made, called a BD5 or a BD6, made by Bede, an American company. Okay. And uh, they have really tiny gas turbine engines in them. Mm. Now, that's the sort of size motor you need for electric hybrid cars of the future, driven by gas turbines. Or the other people I would go to is someone like Irvine Engines. I don't mean Eddie Irvine, but, you know, Grautner, Ritmax, Enya, OS. Uh, got a model airplane engine. And other people who make model aircraft engines who have all developed gas turbines on a mini scale. And yeah. I've, I've ridden a skateboard powered by one, so that shows you how much uh, power right. they can put out. Well, that's, hang on, is, these... did you ride it or were you just dragged along by yeah. it? It was, <laughs> uh, it, it was a slow start because it wasn't driving electric motors. It was blowing out the back. It was a slow start, but then right, when it get yeah. going, I think it's time to get mm, off. I yeah, get off. I've, I've been on a skateboard that was powered by an electric motor and it was frankly terrifying. Yes. Um, <laughs> just quickly, I was going to yeah. say as well, the other way that they're looking at these sort of constant velocity engines, uh, another approach, Audi had a hybrid A1 on show at Geneva and in the boot, lovely glass panel in the boot floor to allow you to see the tiny, tiny wankle rotary engine. Oh, lovely. Again, Good. running Good. at constant speed. It's microscopically small. It's not, you know, it's not like the one in a Mazda RX-8 mm. and I guess, yeah, they're quite thirsty when they're having to haul a car around but just having it running at optimum speed mm. they've chosen it for compactness and smoothness mm. nice well one of the things about a Wankel engine was always supposed to be that you can get more efficiency out of it in practice never seemed to work out that way mm. but maybe this you know smaller design running at constant speed gets mm. closer to that Graupner made a, a model single uh, are they cylinders single rotor Wankel engine in the uh, 1970s so hey yeah Hmm. I'm just going to make a couple of phone calls. Um, uh, I was going to talk about one of my favourite cars at the moment. Um, shall I do it in like less than a minute? Because we've got to finish the show. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You you know me well. What's my favourite body style on a car? Shooting brake is the correct answer. And how do we define shooting brake? Ponsoline named estate. <laughs> Zogwin. That's true, yes. Oh, well, Other I, definitions I, are I available. Know, what, like a sort of three-door estate? Is that what you're thinking? I, in my opinion, shooting brake should be three-door. Kind of so a you're thinking like a Reliant car. Scimitar GTE I'm or thinking like that. Volvo P1800. Oh, yes, exactly. Like uh, e, Volvo 1800 ES, of course. Yes. <laughs> Stop it. Oh. Right, right, thank you. So, Links Inventor. Oh, no. You see? I saw one of those broken down on the Malibone Road the other week. <laughs> There's <laughs> a lot the of chances. <laughs> Not breaking down, but just seeing one. But anyway. And, and as my two sons and my darling, fantastic girlfriend will tell you, when we're driving around, the car which mostly turns my head and I shout out like I'm greeting an old friend is if I ever see a Bentley. So I'm driving out, a Bentley! And the kids go, ah, oh, Bentley, my old friend. Mm. Dad, you don't know that car. So I love Bentleys. I'm when I saw that there was a shooting brake version of the Bentley Continental, is it? it I think it's yeah. called the Bentley Flying Star Shooting Brake by Touring Superleggera. Which That's is a bit of a mouthful. It's hard. I like, it's tricky. And this but, is a one-off being built by an Italian carrozzeria. Yeah, yeah. they'll make them for you on oh, order. Really? Yeah, oh, good. That's yeah. worth bearing in mind. I don't know the price. There's no point. It's absolutely academic. If you have to ask... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but in my mind, that is almost the perfect car in the whole wide world. That's my dream car. I absolutely love that. And I, do you know why I love shooting brakes? Because yeah, you can have a nice sporting car, but you can then drive into a field or the bottom of a hill, go round the back, flip open the boot, right, and slide out 
at least a six foot wing which is stored in the in, in the roof of the car unless yeah. it's for your radio control model aircraft that you can go flying with you see you can't do that in a lot of cars you need the length in the state car you can obviously in MPV you can you I don't get it I have literally no idea what you're talking <laughs> about how many model aircraft do you have uh, well t- t- uh, take a look at that have a look in there. the attic oh really yeah really I'll show you <laughs> you'd be surprised <laughs> is that why they're in your loft rather than say in your car because you don't have a shooting yeah, brake true I can't fly because I haven't got a car to do it at the moment uh, a shooting brake so for me it would be a flying brake and, and so that Bentley I've got to wrap this up now that Bentley would for me be the perfect car if I hadn't remembered one of the car from my past I'd actually forgotten about last week you know the Gilbert Invader yeah it was on the shooting brake version yes, Ooh, I'd forgotten that that's it it's going to drag another front you've got model aircraft in the back if only it was built by a member of the oldest family I'd marry it <laughs> sorry you I've overdone it just go and sit down Thank you. Uh, well, that's it for the show then. Um, thank you for listening. Um, I've been Richard. Goodbye. And he's been Zog. Goodbye. Is anyone got a towel? To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, or follow us on Twitter, go to GarethJones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs> Hey, Sven, I hear the new boss is going to dress everyone in the Sharp Canteen this afternoon. Yes, Sven, I understand his address in the Sharp Canteen will take the form of a poem. A poem in the Sharp Canteen? Let me guess, is it a sonnet? Yes. Good. <laughs>